0: It is good to see the presence of each and every one that's here today, and your interest in spiritual matters is to be commended. There's no better place than we can be than somewhere doing what God would be glorified in, praised in, and certainly beneficial for ourselves spiritually. Um, I'm human. I'd love to try to teach, and it's beneficial for me in study because when you study something enough, to try to teach it, uh, then I believe you learn more in that regard. However, uh, the disclaimer is always that I'm human. God's Word is uh, God-breathed, and we have it in written form. And so we always defer or default back to God's Word. It is good to discuss many Bible subjects, and I encourage that to continue both here here. And outside the assemblies of the congregation, that we might test our beliefs at, against the passages of Scripture that have been revealed, that we can see uh, that we match up with what we are doing as a congregation and as individuals. Uh, thank you for your interest in my travels and my family and things that are going on. It's this is a wonderful congregation to be a part of, and though I'll be tender-hearted from time to time and and may get choked up. It's not wrong to keep asking uh, just because it's a tender subject. Love uh, can cause uh, tears of joy and happiness from any memories that we've had, and your love is received in that type of communication. Uh, it's not, well, Mark gets choked up, so don't talk about his mom. Let's not do that when we uh, have actually an ache, and part of that ache is shared um, when we do... Talk about it. This life is not what it's all about. That's why we're here now. Uh, We could be somewhere else doing recreational activities if there was no God and no heaven or hell. But we believe, but we believe Jesus died on the cross. But we believe God is. We believe there is a heaven and hell. What would you say, don't answer out loud, in your opinion, would be the most famous verse in all of? the book we call the Bible. Uh, You may have your favorite verse, uh, but what do you think in the world, if the world were surveyed, for those that are knowledgeable about uh, a Bible, 66 books that purports to be of God, uh, written by uh, over 50 uh, human beings that were said to be inspired by God, or at least the words that they would teach would be inspired, uh, God-breathed, Uh, Many of you may be thinking of John 3 and verse 16. Okay, I see a few nods of the head. We would like to look at that verse, and we will not in our short time have uh, the ability to dissect it in every respect, but it is one of the most popular and, interestingly enough, misunderstood uh, and misapplied verses in all the Bible. And because it has to do with eternal salvation, where we will uh, be as people who have a soul that will live on after our physical bodies have separated from our spirits and the day of judgment occurs, as the Bible teaches, and we believe, it's important that we understand this and, indeed, other verses. Because this is not the only verse in the Bible that God gives us that addresses the subject of salvation. And that's one of the big problems that a lot of people... Uh, stop with is we go to Burger King or we go through a drive through and we have our favorite way to get our favorite food and we hope that they get it right. We might even repeat our order because we might have some special things we don't want on the food or that we just like to have on the food, as the case may be. And then we look and we see if it matches. Well, we have to realize that this is not a one-stop, quick answer. Now we found out what God wants. It's to believe in Jesus, and that's it. We're done. That's, is it the case? Uh, it's not just because I say it's not the case, so I hesitate to just go ahead. Uh, why don't we look to God's Word? When Jesus was being tempted by the devil after fasting 40 days, which I can hardly imagine, the weakness. Was this one of the weakest points in his physical uh, existence on earth? Probably so. Uh, but the point being made is, is that he was tempted to do that, which is wrong. The other passages say that he was tempted in all points like as weak and is certainly in a great position to help us when we pray, having lived here and died uh, the death that was so cruel. When he was tempted on the three occasions or in the three areas... Uh, he answered with scripture. The first time in Matthew 4 4, he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So look at John 3.16 and read that verse and say, That's it. That's the totality of salvation. John 3:16, that's all you need. And Jesus said, We need to take every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Don't just leave it at the red letter edition and stop there because Jesus said in John fourteen, fifteen, and 16 in those chapters that the disciples could not digest or take uh, the intellectual weight of uh, everything that would be in the new covenant. So he was going to go away and the Holy Spirit would come, another comforter, that would guide them into all truth and who would teach them and Things that Jesus had said before and remind him of that, with them of that when he was on earth, but would also bring new truths that Jesus didn't cover, and we have that in our New Testaments today, in the New Covenant. The perfect covenant, the better covenant that God wants us living today to heed. So let's break apart uh, John three: sixteen and the time that we have, and ask some questions that we believe are important, uh, because these are things that we will run into as we uh, study with individuals and talk about salvation, which is a very good thing. In the King James Version, I think there are five uh, commas, or four in a period, and we'll just kind of follow that uh, pattern. For God so loved the world, number one, that he gave his only begotten Son, number two, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, number three, but have everlasting life, number four. And if we have time, uh, we hope to do that some justice in our study today. When we think about the first phrase... For God so loved the world. We've talked about it here before, so I'll try to keep it concise. And I can relate with Reagan. Sometimes I'm too verbose and the clock does not stop. I have no time And that sweep second hand just keeps going. So we want to make uh, the most efficient and effective use of our time as teachers. And I myself uh, continue to labor under that uh, needful improvement. All of us who have ever had children, would probably die for our kids, that something bad not happened to them if that was the situation. And Jesus died for even his enemies. He died for those that crucified him. He died for Hitler. He died for others that we might think of when we think who are the evil, most evil. (laughs) Scarcely for uh, a friend would one die, Jesus said, paraphrasing. Before their enemies? And yet that is what Jesus said. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us on the cross. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. 1 John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. 1 John 4, 8. Through 19, and we'll not read all of that, but we'll read some phrases uh, from those verses. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love, and this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. We love him because he first loved us. Yes, God is of that nature that he can love those that don't love him. He pities those. And that was, he didn't do it just for those that were going to obey the gospel. And say, well I'll do this and the others are just. going to be able to benefit. No, he loved each and every soul. It's that important. We should not overlook or underestimate the power of that love. And even those who are Christians who fail as I have and you have in our Christian walk, he continues to love us. He does not love the sin, but he continues to love us and wants us as lost sheep. To turn our hearts and our actions back to Him. In this verse, of course, we're talking about the next phrase. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And what we've talked about a little bit is what, how tall a gift that is from the Father. But also, this was an agreement, I believe, between the three personages in the Godhood. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are agreed in roles that they share, sometimes overlap, sometimes they, like Jesus, can be part of helping in our prayer, and the Holy Spirit can be. But the Holy Spirit did not come to earth and live and die as a man, and was tempted in all points like we. In that sense, parts of the Godhead, and I hate to say it that way, please find a better phrase and help me later with that don't know what Jesus experienced to the degree that Jesus lived it on earth and can say, humans feel this. Certainly God has the ability to know because God knows all things. So maybe I better just stop there and say, I don't have the answer to all about that. We talk about that on a Friday night uh, when we're having some type of get-together maybe. But he gave his only begotten son Think how precious it is to have children. But if you've got 12 and one of them die, it hurts. I don't know what it's like to have that happen, but I know it hurts. Here he gives his only begotten son. Romans 5, verses 6 and 8, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Here it is, we're scarcely... For a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, someone even dare to die, but God commended his love toward us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Matthew 27, verse 46, puts it this way And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? For Jesus to die on the cross, for Jesus to go through all of that pain that was physical and the mental anguish, that which led up to the first nail being driven into his body. All of the ridicule, all of the fact that those he loved and tried to help spiritually were coming out in part of that audience like they would after a robber. And as was so eloquently put forth by our brother holding the last gospel meeting here, Brother Rouse, Jesus just walked right up to him. Who are you looking for? <laughs> um, Jesus was ready to suffer for us. If it be possible, if there's another way, uh, let this cut past, but if not, thy will be done. And Jesus did that for you and for me. What manner of love he gave and expressed in that action. That whosoever believeth in him, Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. We don't need to shy away from John three sixteen because all other aspects of initial salvation may not be found there. They may if the word believeth in John 3.16 is a package word, and we could talk about that in studying at some point in the future. When you look to different translations of John 3.16, to help you with further your study maybe, and mine, is that some say should not perish. Some say will not perish. So we have to try to interpret Scripture in... Uh, The immediate context and then looking at other like passages and see if the word belief is being used as a package word to include other things that when one believes, they do. Or when it's faith by itself as opposed to another action of initial salvation. Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized. Two different actions, two different verbs, obviously. But there are times when I believe the word belief is used to include what one did to become a Christian, inclusive of repentance, confessing with the mouth that Jesus is the Christ, and immersion in water for the remission of sins, as the Great Commission teaches, as opposed to John's baptism, or some other baptism that some denomination may come up with and say this is because you already have had your sins removed and being saved upstream, if you will. First Timothy 4.10 says... Paul writing to Timothy and to us, by extension, for therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, specifically of those that believe. Does that mean there's universal salvation and if you don't believe, you're still going to be saved? That's not being taught, is it, in that verse. But especially of those that believe. Why? Because it's being offered to all, I believe, that all will not necessarily come and take advantage of what God is offering. Does that mean that all a sinner has to do to be saved is believe? Well, you can see the fallacy of this type of logic when we look at a few other passages and just raise some honest questions. Can you believe in the Father only by going to another verse first and ignoring John 3.16, as silly as that would seem, And just use that verse. Go to Luke 13, 3. Uh, Except you repent, you shall perish. It doesn't say, except you repent only, in that verse. It's stating a condition that is necessary to be saved, but there's nothing in that verse to indicate all the conditions of one's initial salvation and obedience to Christ in becoming a Christian is found in repentance, is it? In John 5, 24, back to can you just believe in the Father only? Go to John five twenty four. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, Jesus is talking about the Father in heaven when he says, "You got to believe in him, him that sent me, hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death into life." So can we tilt uh, and throw away John three sixteen and say, "Well, I want to go over here and I want to hug the verse called John five twenty four and." Jesus said you've got to love the Father. You've got to believe in the Father. And you have eternal life. Does that mean you don't have to believe in the Son? They don't contradict each other. They complement one another. And that is what we need to do with Scripture because the word only is not found or alone is not found in John 3.16 nor is it found in John 5 and verse 24. Well, can I love Jesus Christ, John 3.16, and believe in Jesus Christ? John 3, 16, and John 5, 24, believe in the Father and hate my brother and still be saved. Now we're getting away from the initial call to salvation but talking about what some of our religious friends and neighbors that we may have discussions with if they're interested in studying the Bible and talking about salvation. These things will come up. First John three fifteen says, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. They only can't save because if you hate your brother, you'll be lost.
1: Even if you believe
0: in Christ. Even if you believe in him that sent Christ, that is the Father. If you hate your brother, you won't be saved. And we mentioned Luke 13, 3. You have to repent or you'll perish. Jesus said so. But the word alone is not found in John 3.16 as some interpret the passage to mean. And that's where we may be able to help someone see that it takes more than mere belief as they are seeing the verse to teach when they see the word believeth in that verse. They do not have to confess, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, that if thou confess, it's an if-then statement, isn't it? That if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, then, I said the word then, it's not in the verse, but it's implied thou shalt be saved. Here we've got two things that don't even mention believe. Baptism's not in the verse. Excuse me. You confess with the Lord Jesus Christ with, and believe. believes in the verse. It's repentance and it's baptism that's not in the verse. My, my apologies for that. You can see the point, I hope, uh, in light of my (laughs) failures in that regard. What about forgiving others? Well, this guy, he gave me a car 20 years ago, and that car was a bum steer, and I'll never forget that. I'll never forget him. He knew it was a messed up car when he sold it to me. I'm going to hold that against him for the rest of my life. Well, he didn't do it that way. He said he didn't do it that way, and he was sorry that it worked out that way. And he offered to buy it back, but you turned your back on. Well, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. It's another if. It's another conditional statement, isn't it? But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So we can't say, well, you can believe in Christ and you'll be saved, but you can... At your brother, or you can fail to forgive. It's not what the Bible says is we have to take more passages on salvation than just one verse and lift it up, or we will not be proceeding to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Don't have to be baptized. Well, it was mentioned with the conjunction and in mark 1616 in 16, first 1 Peter 321 is talking about water. Baptism, when it says baptism doth also now save us. It's not baptism alone, it's a submissive baptism. that's in accordance with all the teaching on the Great Commission, the baptism of the Great Commission, found in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. But yes, there's more that we have to do in order to become a Christian. And then we get to the last two phrases. Should not perish. It's interesting that the word perish in the English and the Greek includes when people are about to die physically. Big storm in the boat. Save us for we'll perish. That that means die, not go to the bad place for eternity. But then in this verse, it's not talking about you just die, but it's talking about go to the bad place. But if you... says, for God so loved the world that he gave his own begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. That's not talking about losing your physical life. Is it? It's talking about an eternity somewhere. The context shows that because if we read on, but have everlasting life. There's a contrast between that word perish in John 3.16 and the term everlasting life. So we know we're talking about things eternal in nature and there's no other place Boy, many people wish there were, you yeah. know, but it's not going to be that way. It is everlasting life or everlasting punishment. Matthew 25, 46 says, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Revelation 14, 11 says, And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever, and they had no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image. Chapter 20 of the book of Revelation, verses 10 and 15, some phrases. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So that's contrasted in verse 16 of John 3, but have everlasting life to an inheritance incorruptible, 1 Peter 1, 4, and undefiled, and fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, and for me, and for those that come to Christ, and continue faithful, so that it can be said, blessed are the dead that die in the Lord. Luke 23, 43, Jesus said to them, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And we've talked about the idea of Abraham's bosom, uh, personally, as I continue to study and continue to study and continue to study, I believe that the term paradise can be used both for heaven, the final place of eternal life, and not in the same verse, but and at the same time, but rightly divided, would be talking about the temporary place. On the other side of the gulf, from torments in the Hadean world the place called Hades would be made of those three places paradise or Abraham's bosom and the gulf and torments and then Revelation 21 and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away Then someone says well we'll close with this what about the thief on the cross don't you believe the thief on the cross was was saved yes Jesus said today thou shalt be with me in paradise and I don't think that was a tease oh y'all I'll send you over to Abraham's bosom but in the judgment day you'll be lost no I think if you get to paradise or Abraham's bosom in the Hadean world if it truly exists um, then when the judgment day our bodies will be reunited They'll be fit for eternity in one of two places. We'll have the judgment, and then we will have paradise uh, as our everlasting reward of everlasting life as opposed to everlasting punishment. Well, what about the thief on the cross? We need an answer certainly Jesus didn't call time out and says you got to get us down off the cross we're going to baptize this guy because he wants to be baptized in order to be saved he lived and died under the Old Testament covenant and this was reiterated to me about a month or two ago in the meeting with Brother Rouse a lot of people do not study the Bible deep enough to know When the Old Covenant passed away and when the New Covenant came into being. We know when Jesus passed away on the cross. Jesus may have outlived the other two thieves because the passages that talk about they came and they looked, the Sabbath was coming, they were going to break the legs in order to let the person on the cross incur death. And when they got to Jesus, Jesus was already dead. They didn't break his legs and that Help fulfill some prophecy that was 700 plus years before but the other two they did break the legs inferring that they were still alive oh see if they live past the death of jesus then they would need to be baptized right no luke 24 gives us an idea along with hebrews the ninth chapter around verses 15 16 and 17 but we're going to go to luke 24 that while it is true it took the death of Christ to have the death of the testator, to also have a perfect life and making a perfect sacrifice for our sins and a successful mission of Jesus to earth, living and dying. We find in Luke 24, in the latter part, that Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued from power from on high. There's going to be the gospel going forth from the city of Jerusalem, backing up to 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at the cross right after his death, because that's when the... No. Beginning at Jerusalem. That'd be... Jesus dies, which is part of the timeline for the covenant change. Okay, now we've got a testator that is not living anymore. So now his last will and testament, his new covenant, can be installed. Well, the apostles are told to go wait in the city of Jerusalem. This is the Pentecost that's coming in Acts 2 and did. And they were to wait, and they would be able to speak things they'd never studied before, some of which that they had heard Jesus say, and other things the Holy Spirit was teaching them, John 16, 12, and 13, and other passages like that. And they could go forth and preach the gospel. And the new covenant, I believe, was installed on that day, and God will take care of how long it took for the word to get out, and any transitions or anything like that. We're in 2022 now, so... We're well past that date, uh, and I don't have to worry about all the wealth, what's and wherefores, so though it's interesting to talk about. The point is, is that the thief on the cross lived and died under the Old Covenant and the New Testament that says he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And, and unless you confess Christ with the mouth as part of being a Christian, you're not going to be saved. He didn't live under that covenant, but we do. And the people that we'll be talking to, Lord willing, about the Bible and God's plan and and what it takes to be saved initially and then to stay saved. And it's not meritorious, but it is living in accordance with the pattern and growth and love and giving praise and honor to our Father above to helping one another do what we can to get to heaven. I hope the lesson's been of some benefit to you. It has been to me. I'm encouraged by your presence and the way in which... Uh, You've listened. I appreciate the song selection. Give me the Bible. I hope and pray that that's what you got was God's truth and nothing that was poison. Because anything that is other than God's truth might be poison. I know there's some things that don't matter. They're all matters are not matters of salvation, but they might be matters of truth and error. But we want to make sure that we. Uh, have our studies in such a way that we're able to tell what matters matter what truths are truths and we have to call error as we see it as lovingly as we can and tenderly because we're trying to save the plant and kill the poison we're not trying to go out with the gospel and slay everybody in this county or surrounding counties and show them how much we know about the Bible and how bad they are And no We want to have a space problem like we're starting to have here because of souls that are interested. Not so we can go about and beat our chest and say we went from three people or five people to XYZ. But to talk about the number of souls that have been one for Christ. And let's keep ourselves one for Christ by being faithful to the cause. There's a fountain free. There was a big cost up front for God. For Christ. And it We have an invitation that we just have to accept. It's quite a task to live.